Hello and welcome to the Relational Parents Podcast, where we get off autopilot and give thoughtful attention to how we interact with our children and relate to ourselves so that you can show up in your family as the best version of yourself with a lot more joy and ease. I'm your host, Teresa Puckett, and I'm thrilled you've joined us today. As a certified positive discipline parent educator, I lead workshops based on the positive discipline approach and philosophy. Those are documented in many books that have been authored and co-authored by Dr. Jane Nelson. As parents are going through these really powerful online workshops, it's very reinforcing for them also to be reading one of the positive discipline books. This podcast is part of a series that summarizes the key concepts of the original Positive Discipline book that started it all. In this episode, we'll be doing a dive on three Positive Discipline topics. Number one, the root of children's misbehavior. Number two, kind and firm. And number three, energy. And if you're following along, this episode corresponds to the first two chapters of the original Positive Discipline book. So let's dive in. Number one, the root of children's misbehavior. The first thing I want to say is that we say children's misbehavior, but honestly, it's probably human misbehavior, quote, misbehavior, unwanted behavior, whether it's our boss, our coworker, our spouse, whatever it is, but we're talking about children, so we'll keep it there. And this is based in the, the research of Alfred Adler and Rudolf Dreikers. They found that children and really humans have two very, very significant needs. And the first need is the need of belonging, the need to belong, to feel connected to other humans, to something more than just themselves. So that need for belonging. The second is a need for significance, the need to feel important, to feel capable, to feel valued. And we all have these needs. We're again, we're talking about children, but so all of our children have these needs, and those needs can be met in an infinite number of ways. But for our purposes here, we're going to take all of those ways. And if I sort of make a big circle with my arms, all of those ways, and just draw a dividing line down the middle, and we'll just describe those ways as positive ways or wanted ways, ways that we would like for them to get them met, and negative ways, ways that we would not like for them to get those met. Now, the reality is that we're not really measuring the ways that they get them met. We're measuring the behavior that they demonstrate. And what 
Adler and Dreiker said was that a misbehaving child, so a, a child who's displaying and demonstrating unwanted behavior, is a discouraged child. So if a child is discouraged, they are going to look to get those needs met in whatever way they can, whether or not it is something that their parent is really happy about. Another way to think about this is that those needs for belonging and significance are so vital, so primal, that they are tied to survival. And if your child is not feeling that those needs are met, those needs of belonging and significance, then, then your child is almost in a fight for his or her survival, trying to meet those needs. And if that is something that we as parents can connect to, sometimes when we are, are seeing the misbehavior, that may, you know, maybe that can help. If we're not in a triggered moment, um, see if that can help you next time your child pushes one of those buttons. Number two is kind and firm. And there's so much to say here. In one of the very early podcast episodes, I talked a lot about the parenting pendulum, and that's a little bit more detail. We'll probably do more on punishment in another episode, but kind and firm is one of the hallmarks of positive discipline. It is not about dictating for the child what they should do and punishing them and threatening them. It is also not about being permissive and just abdicating our leadership role as parents and letting the child do whatever they want, have whatever they want, and rescuing them all the time. Um, Those two extremes being the too firm and too kind, positive discipline is both kind and firm, showing respect for the child as well as for ourselves as the parents. And I am not here to judge, and certainly Jane Nelson is um, is not passing judgment at all on any of the other tool sets that we've been using, um, especially around punishment. I know for most of us, it's probably safe to say that um, punishment was modeled more for most of us than that permissiveness was. And so some of us took that modeling and we defaulted to it. And some of us took that modeling and said, no way, that didn't work at all. So I'm not doing that. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to rebel against that and resist that punishment. I'm going to be more permissive. And these decisions were not decisions that we necessarily made consciously, but those um, those were unconscious decisions that we made. And it's quite natural for us as parents to gravitate to one side or the other of that pendulum. Sometimes we swing a little bit more authoritative with girls and more permissive with boys, or sometimes we swing more authoritarian at a certain 
age and then we swing more permissive as they get older. Or sometimes it's based on the child's personality. But the point is that if we are not examining that, we're just running on some autopilot patterns that we unconsciously decided on when we were really young, when we were being parented. Oftentimes, one parent will swing a little bit towards one side, the authoritarian side, and the other parent will swing a little bit more toward the permissive side. And it's a very natural dynamic as their child gets older and they start having more and more parenting experiences that the authoritarian one moves a little more authoritarian to compensate for the permissive one. And the permissive one sees that happening and moves more on the permissive side. So they start getting further apart. That is a very natural dynamic for this kind of conflict or separation or difference to get worse over time since they're both trying to compensate for the other. What we're going to stick to focusing on right now is what does the punishment produce and what does the permissiveness produce? And in the book, Jane does a great job of uh, going into more detail on the four R's of punishment. Those are resentment, revenge, rebellion, and retreat. And I can think of different people and friends and myself um, and, and understand that, you know, a lot of punishment can produce one or more of those depending on the child's personality and also how the punishment was delivered. But um, if you look at permissiveness and that... Um, whatever you want, sweetie, keeping them happy, rescuing them out of their challenges, what that produces is a result of entitlement, low self-esteem, and codependence, or some combination of those. And the codependence being, I need for somebody else to do for me. I, I don't have the level of capability because I never developed those capabilities. I never needed to. Um, so punishment and permissiveness don't really win. We don't really win in the long run when we're punishing and when we're permissive. We might win in the short run. If our goal is to change the behavior right that moment, if we're punishing, we want the behavior to be following our own rules. And we can make that happen in the moment, but there's some unintended consequences that we talked about with those four R's. If we're being permissive or rescuing, then the behavior that we're looking for in the moment is either a happy child or a a calmed child. And we might get that, but we might be creating um, unknowingly those qualities of entitlement or low self-esteem or codependence. 
I remember when I first started learning way back when about some of these uh, philosophies and why they didn't work, I was like, well, that's all great and I get it. It makes total sense, but that's really all I know. And what does work, like whatever does work has got to be really hard because this is the stuff that I, that I've seen for my whole life. And I want to say that in, in the book and as we go, that's what it's all about is these different tools that we can use to stay in the kind and firm space. And so one of those tools is, um, and it's a high level tool, right? It's, it's called the message of love and is the message of love getting through, um, the message of love when, you know, I remember when my parents were um, doling out punishment, the message of love did not get through. When I was doling out punishment to my boys, that was not a message of love. It was a message of do it or that's it. I was doing it because I wanted the best for them and I wanted the best for them because I loved them, but it was not getting through. And the message of love um, might, that that's probably a tool that's better used um, or, or more relevant for the parents who are more on the punishing side, because on the permissive side, the kid might be like, yeah, I know my mom loves me because she does everything for me. Um, meanwhile, we're actually not helping them to grow into um grow into adults who feel significant in the world because of what they're able to contribute. But um, the message of love might be getting through in the moment um, if you're on the permissive side. So that's one tool. And it, there's a lot, a lot of other ones as well. But sometimes it's a matter of, I don't really know what kind and firm sounds like. You know, I... I really default on one side or the other. And so there are a lot of examples that we can give. I'm going to read a few from the book. Your turn is coming. I care about you and I will wait until we can both be considerate before we continue this conversation. We'll talk about this later. Now it is time to get in the car. And so you can probably hear, especially in that last one, that there was a tone of firmness as well as kindness. Um, a tone of this is what is happening and I'm not necessarily judging anything. We're going to have a chance to talk about this later. That brings us to number three which is energy. The importance of energy in our interactions with our children and our energy as parents just cannot be overestimated. Our energy is so much more important than our words. And I, I really wish that I had gotten this a lot sooner in my, uh, in my parenting journey. Um, I can remember the time when I was all about the words and kind of, okay, the mechanics, I get the mechanics and why is this not working? And it was all about 
my energy. And probably the biggest positive discipline tool that reminds us about energy is the tool connection before correction. So before we move into any kind of um, correction or this is the way it's supposed to happen or whatever it is, to make sure that we are really connecting with our child. There's so many ways to do that. Um, One way that is and also an excellent uh, tool for those of us who are all about the mechanics and like, how, how do I, how do I do this? It feels kind of fuzzy. Like, can you break it down for me? There's a tool called curiosity questions. And those curiosity questions are not, why did you do it this way? Did you do it yet? Those, those kinds of things. There are more what did you learn from this? Or how did that go for you? Um, Kind of those open-ended, thought-provoking, conversation-starting questions. So that's a great tool. And we can talk about that in a little bit more detail another time. But the curiosity questions, like what are you asking that is going to open up some possibilities for your child to share and hopefully open up also some possibilities for you to connect with what your child is sharing. Maybe by saying, oh my goodness, I remember when I felt like that too, or I had a similar experience, or that happened to me when I was 11. It's great that this is happening to you earlier, or or however we can connect with them around their experience. I want to share one more tool from Positive Discipline along the lines of energy. It is a tool that that if you're parenting from that punishing place, um, if you're like me, um, parenting from that place, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be perfect and to be right and to always know and to always be the one telling them. And when I was living in that space, it was very difficult for me to admit that I made a mistake. And as I've grown as a parent and opened up to mostly coming from a place of kindness and firmness, although sometimes I still will uh, will move into that default. One of the things that has really opened up for me and enabled me to come with a better energy is knowing that mistakes are opportunities to learn. No one is perfect. No, um, no one should try to be perfect because it's unattainable, right? We put so much pressure on ourselves. And if we can instead understand that mistakes are opportunities to learn, then we can be more open to admitting a mistake. We can be more open to connecting with our kids over a mistake that 
we made admitting imperfection and acknowledging that and using that as an opportunity to grow. So mistakes as opportunities to learn is a wonderful tool in the toolbox. And also it's a great thing to model for our kids and help them see that they don't have to be perfect either and that they can learn and grow from their mistakes. And we are there to help them with that and maybe learn with them as we are hoping they learn with us from our mistakes. So in closing, I would like to step back and go back to that number one, the root of misbehavior and remind us, myself included, as parents that so much good will happen when we remember that our children are forming beliefs about themselves and they're making decisions about how to behave based on how they feel, based on how they feel in relationship to us and what they think that we feel about them. And that is, that's true always, but it's even more true when they're younger because we are the only ones that they're interacting with. So remember that they're forming their beliefs and making decisions based on how they feel in relationship to us. And the fact that they're demonstrating whatever they're demonstrating, they're behaving however they're behaving in order to meet those very, very deep needs for belonging and significance. Until next time, be well. Would you like to work directly with me as well as a group of like-minded parents to get off autopilot and create more peace at home? Join us starting June 10th for the seven-week class Calm Kids, Happy Parents in Quarantine. It's specially priced at $137 with an early bird special of only $97 when you register by June 3rd. Message me from the Relational Parents Facebook page or send an email to support at relationalparents.org for more details.